0: you were telling me we we're hanging out this week and you were telling me this really great story about being in Vegas. And I was like, we got to talk. That's, that's a podcast episode. Yeah. Right. So, sure. so hit us, hit us with the story. Cause I think there's a lot of great leadership principles in here for us. Yeah.
1: I think the idea, the big idea on a story like this is that, um, much like being in a casino in leadership, the house always wins, right? Mm-hmm. Unless you figure out a way to change the odds, things are just stacked against you. So I, I don't love gambling, but once or twice a year, I like to like, just go try it. You know, yeah. I do like playing poker. I like spending time with my friends yeah. and I've got this golf trip that I do where we go play a couple rounds of golf and we compete in golf. And then at night, you know, we go to the casino, we, we yeah. play poker, we do whatever. And so, um, everybody's got different stuff they like to do. Some people are slots people and they just like want to just hit yeah. the buttons. I hate the slots cause I have no <laughs> control over it. It's like, you just hit a button and it's good luck it's too much luck. Yeah. And you know, it's like, of course control is such an illusion when it comes to casinos yeah. anyways, yeah. but I feel like in poker, it's like I can fold my hand. Like if mm-hmm. things don't happen the way I want them to, I can be out, you know? So the first night goes, I think I make, you know, Couple hundred bucks playing poker, and then I'm, I'm a, made money the first yeah, night. Yeah, first night. I'm a sucker for roulette, so there's just something about that ball spinning. You know, I've got these conspiracy theories that I, I'm pretty sure the dealer has like a button under their shoe and they make it stop, you know. Of so, of course, you do. So, I'm like, okay, I, I just love that you feel like that's more control
0: than the, the, the <laughs> well, slot. no,
1: I think that, that's me letting go and going, okay, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll show growth. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> So I think I ended up losing 50 bucks on roulette as I'm supposed to go back to my room and go to sleep. You know, next night um, I, I go back to roulette and just kind of get crushed. I'm like, man, what am I doing? Like, I'm going to let this, you know, all the profit I made the night before just completely dwindle away. Yeah, And um, and so I, I, I pull back while I still have a bit of a stack because I just felt myself chasing good money after bad. And I get like casinos, like go there to have fun. Like if yeah. you're there to try to make money, it's not going to happen. But this story is not about that. It's about like, holy crap, like the odds are really stacked against you here, no yeah. matter what. Right. And then I think, so the, the third night, um, we found out that we had won, done really well in the golf competition. So we, we were splitting like several hundred dollars between us. Cause that was our deal. If anybody wins, we'll split the money together. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. So we're feeling good, like making money. And, um, we've been playing a very protected game of poker called limit poker. We're like, you're not going to lose a ton of money if you lose. Okay. Well, there's a major poker tournament in town the same weekend as the golf tournament. So like people who really know how to play poker are at the casino. Mm -hmm. And as they funnel out of the tournament, they go to this other room where the, you know, the the fish like us are sitting (laughs) and come and try to take our money. I was like, you know what? I'm going to sit down at one of the no limit tables and just see what happens. Oh Wow. And so, um, I'll get, this is going to be a little bit detailed for people who don't know about poker or casinos. You're gonna be like, why is he telling this story? So I sit down, um, and put several hundred dollars on the table just because I want people to know, like, I'm not walking up with 20 bucks and hoping not to lose it, you know? Sure. And you had to flex a little bit. Yeah. A little, a little small flex. Right. Um, position betting like where you are based on the dealer is really important in poker like because you can have a really good hand but if you're not in a great position it's not ideal to play gotcha i didn't know that well so the very first hand i'm a little out of position not significantly but i get a great hand it's it's a suited ace something i can't remember what it was and so i was like well i'll limp in like i'll i'll match the blind and see what happens and uh a guy two down from me like triples what i just put in i'm like oh crap like I don't want to go away just yet. Like I just got here, you know?
0: <laughs> this and is so how they get
1: you. That's right. So I I, I end up calling it like so I got more money on the table than I mean to, and it's first hand, right? Um, well, I get in in Texas Hold'em, you get three cards on the first, you know, move after the dealer goes. And I get two of the cards I need for a flush, which is almost unbeatable in, in regular poker. There's a couple of hands that get it, but not many. I'm like, oh well, crap, I've got like two more cards to get this flush. Well, the guy next to me puts in like um, almost 10 times what the original bet was. So he's pushing. I'm like, Dang. there's nothing out here he's got. Like, I I think I'd been out. Of and, and so then I, I throw in, you know, way he more went. money. Oh, yeah. And then the next card comes and I don't, It's it doesn't help me, but I don't think it helps him either. And by this point, no one else is in, but me and this guy. It's a table of like 12, you know, poker players. I don't know. run right? out. And um, the next card comes and I check. It's what I need. And he goes all in. I'm like, oh, dude, I freaking got him. So like, <laughs> I, I call them, you know, I put almost everything I had on the table into this hand, yeah. but basically double up. Yeah. And then I grab my chips, I tip the dealer, and I leave. I played one hand and one I and left. done. One and done, out, right? <laughs> and so my buddies are there, like, you know, hooting and hollering. Yeah, and they're, yeah, yeah. they're going crazy, you know. But I was just thinking, like, there's so many times in leadership where it does kind of come down to a coin flip. Like, you could have mm. great strategy, um, you can have good policies, you can have a good product or good service. And things are just stacked against you. Like it is just so hard to make yeah. progress in business, yeah. in leadership. In just period. Yeah. So um I was thinking like, okay, what are the things that helps like stack the odds in your favor? Like are there things as a leader you can do right. that help make it a little bit easier on you? Because right. a lot of times what happened, and I, I I saw this in myself at Roulette, is like I was you know, putting good money after bad. It's like, God, this this isn't getting any better. Mm-hmm. If I don't change something about me or about my strategy or even the game that I'm playing, I'm going to lose all my money right now.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a a really healthy awareness around that in leadership, especially yep. if you're starting something new, or even if you're inheriting something or stepping a new leadership position. It's it's not a fear statement. It's not meant to like freak you out. It's just meant to like, hey, there's got to be some awareness around that what you're stepping into or what you're doing is very hard, very difficult, and the the odds are stacked against you. Yeah. The percentages are stacked against you. It doesn't mean that you can't win and won't win. Right. But I think a lot of leaders, and and I would include myself in this, have lived a lot of our leadership with our head kind of in the sand a little bit yeah. because I love to reframe. I'm real positive, real hopeful. Yep. It's probably why you know I even took a risk in the first place to step out and start you know my own business because yeah. you know if I really thought through all the ways it could have gone wrong, yeah. <laughs> you never started, and nobody would. I mean, we were just—I was just watching something. I think you saw it too. There's yeah. a clip of this CEO that was a, like highly successful, and a group of young people were asking him questions and like, "Hey, if you could go back and tell yourself anything before you started this company, what would it be?" And you know, he said, "Don't do it." Like he was like, but there is that thing inside of me that's just constantly asking, well, what if like there's, you got that, like that something in you that is able to kind of tune out the bad stuff and only see the possibilities and the opportunities and it keeps you going. But I think what you're, what I'm hearing you say, there's a healthy side of saying, okay, wait a minute. Yes. In order to be a great leader, you have to have vision. You have to have hope. You have to be an optimist a certain regard. And you also have to realize that the odds are yeah. against you and more people fail than, than succeed in a That's lot right. of these areas. Right. So for leaders that are listening or watching this, what's the best way that we can help them when it comes to not just the, the self-awareness, but you know, we want this, this podcast to be a hopeful one too. We're not just trying to say, Hey, you're right. not going to win, you know, but good luck. It's like, no, there is a
1: way to win. How do we approach that as leaders? Yeah. So step is just self-awareness. You talked about this. Yeah. So, it is only the tunnel vision and singular focus of an entrepreneur, you know, an executive to succeed that helps them succeed, right? So on some level, our greatest superpowers are always our greatest weaknesses, right? And so the ability to focus, to be optimistic and to just run something down and get it right, that's what helps people become successful in the first place. However, when things start to change on you, the industry changes, the market changes, you um, your culture at your organization has changed and you're not paying attention to it, that singular focus, that singular tunnel vision will be your greatest enemy. And you don't know, oh crap, I've got to iterate. I've got to change. I've got to pivot. And so I think it's just a self-awareness to say, what has brought me here, all those tools are useful. All my talents are so helpful. And if I don't have somebody say, hey, tap me on the shoulder. Hey, I think you're missing something. Something big is going on and we just need to be aware of this. Yes, and a big
0: reason why we started this company is, we want to be that person or that team for you yeah. that you can bounce things off and we can give really honest feedback. Yeah. And the stakes are a little lower because when you, when you try to do that with your team, yeah. which at, at some level is probably healthy, but when you're asking your team to give you a dose of self-awareness, yeah. there's a lot of mixed feelings, and emotions when you basically can control their, their future, yeah. their job. Right. And you know, that's that study that went back, you know, to the Cornell, study yep. Cornell University. Shout out to Andy Bernard from the Crushing office. It. But the, the one, the, the short story of this is, is the one common denominator in, in successful CEOs was self awareness. Right. It wasn't that they were outgoing, you know, strong, visionary. Care, yeah. No, none of that seemed to matter. The only, the one common denominator in all these successful CEOs was that they were aware of themselves. Yeah and our, our good friend and probably one of the best leaders we you know I have I've ever yeah. known is a guy named Jeff Henderson. Yep. And he had this question, what is it like to be on the other side of me? Yeah. Right? Which is such a powerful question, right? Like, you know, for me to be able to ask you, Matt, what's it like to be on the other side of me? I trust you're going to give me great feedback, yep. right? You're going to say, "Hey, you know, this this and the other is good, but there's also some things you might want to pay attention to." Yep. And you've done that for me, you know, throughout the years, and vice done vice for each other. Right. Yeah. I think sometimes in leadership, that's a really, who do I ask that question to? Like, mm-hmm. who do I go to and ask what's it like? Because I'm worried that either someone's going to tell me what I want to hear because they're trying to move up the ladder or like, and this goes back to loneliness and leadership. Yep. Like, who do you ask these, these questions to? And so self-awareness is huge, but you do have to have that safe place mm-hmm. where people are like, Hey, we're you brought us in here to be honest with you. There's a couple leaders we're working with right now where we'll spend some time with a couple hours a month. And I think the value we bring is we're not, we're we're on the team, but we're not on the team. We're on, it's almost like we're on his team. Yeah, that's right. Right. And so, so we can say things to him. Like, that is pretty tough to hear. But he's invited in because he's a great leader. Yep. He's like, listen, we, I need to know this stuff. That's why we, we have here. So self-awareness, that's yep. one good good reason to yep. make sure that, you know, if you're playing against the house yep. to, to increase and your I,
1: I think another thing that increases your odds is uh, doing it together. So back to the story, it's like if I wasn't trying to have bravado and impress my friends, I probably wouldn't have stepped up to that no-limit table. So it's like, uh, yeah. it's like, again, probably equal parts unhealthy as healthy is it's like <laughs> – check this out. I'm gonna go do this real quick, you know? Um, but what's, what's great is right after that. So I grabbed my chips and I left, we went to blackjack, which I'm, I don't know. I know you're supposed to get to 21 in blackjack, but there's a strategy, which I didn't know any of. We sat down at a table, um, with a buddy of mine who really knows what he's doing. And there's another guy who was there and, um, we had the best time. Like we were rooting for each other. He's like, Hey man, don't hit that. No hit there. Hey man, hold right there. Hey, double that bet. And I didn't know any of that stuff, right? But I felt like the odds went up a little bit because I had a table and right. a team rooting for me and with me. So I think, I think one of the best ways to stack your odds in your favor is to do it with people, right? Mm-hmm. Like someone who's been further than you have before, someone who's played that game before or someone who's just had a little more life experience than you have. And the best way to stack the odds is just to not do it by yourself. Yeah. I love that. Well, you're just kind of making me think in this in this moment,
0: especially like, in, you know, if crossing over into some of the in the mental health space. But there is some really profound science on having people to reflect back to you what's happening in that moment. Explain both, that. Well, both it can be both positive, but it also can be trauma, right? There's actually a secondary trauma that happens. Okay. So you have the, the trauma itself. Okay. Something happened. There's an event. There's actually a a secondary trauma that happens if there's not a person to reflect back to you that pain, Mm -hmm. right? So if I can't say, Matt, this thing just happened to me today. I just lost this really big business deal that I was counting on. And for, if I don't have Matt in my life to say, dude, that sucks, man. Like that's really hard. That's tough. Not even trying to fix it, but just reflecting back to me and validating that trauma. Yeah. There's a secondary trauma that actually I'll, I'll experience Mm -hmm. of being alone, but the same thing is true with the celebration. Okay. if someone was to come to you and say, like, what what was your summer of '69 moment? Like, what was that that time in life where it's like, man, I just remember I was just I was just crushing. Like, I was at the my perfect weight. You know, I yeah. was like, I was like, this was the, the time of my life. And you don't have anybody to 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 celebrate that with you, right? You don't have anybody to to reflect that back with you as well. It can be very lonely. And so there's moments in life where you know, telling the story, and so when one of the guys is like, well no one knows that I had this season of life where actually I got to conduct the London symphony orchestra. Oh, wow. And the guy across the table was like, well, how many people know that? He's like, really? I don't think anybody knows that. Mm. And then the person was like, man, that is incredible. Like that is Tell me more about that. Well, what happens in your brain, and I know this is nerdy, but what happens in your brain is it's as if that person was there with you in that moment. Now Dang. you have a shared experience when someone reflects back to you. So if it's like yeah. Drew, there's this moment, and I was in a band, and we were signed, and we were traveling, and you know, this is you know, this yeah. is your 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 former life when yep. you were a rock star. And I was like, dude, no way, that is so cool. Tell me more about that. Yeah. Your brain is going to tell you that Drew is actually a part of this experience mm-hmm. with me. Now we have this shared common thing. So. All that to say, to your point, about not being alone in it, is you need people around you to reflect back to you what's happening in real mm-hmm. time. You need someone to say, okay, yeah, this is tough, but we're gonna we're gonna go through this together. It's like the old saying, if you want to go fast, go alone. Yeah. If you want to go far, go, go together. together. I need someone to say, hey, I'm experiencing this, and then emotionally have someone reflect back to it, mirror back to me what's actually happening so I don't feel lost or crazy or you know or even and it's not it's not a yes man it's someone also to say but hey wait a minute that's not actually what's happening right now you're you're not actually a poor leader or you're not actually right missing but let's let's just evaluate it let's slow down and you were talking about this. We talked about this in our last episode, mm-hmm. but pace, right? Because you're a fast, yeah, you're a fast leader. We talked about that in that last episode. But talk a little bit more about pace for you when it comes to like going fast, going far. Because you were telling me before we started, like yeah. you're, <laughs> you're 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 I'm go-to. a destination guy, not That's a journey it was. guy. Yeah. yeah, talk about that for a second. Well,
1: I, I think I think the the quote is something like the man who enjoys the walk will go further than the the man who was just trying to get to his destination. And I just butchered it, but you'll get the point, right? You know, um, and I've just, you know, for most of my life, it's like, Hey, where are we going? Okay. Here's the fastest way to get there. And on some level that accomplishes the base level goal, we're trying to get somewhere, but there's so many times I've just missed part of the journey that was maybe more significant than the actual destination. And, um, you know, I was, I was coaching a client um, recently and there's just some things that are, that are tough in their life outside of their business. And I said, you know, you're, you're talking about the mental health space um, and creating these shared experiences with people so that they can feel like they're in it together. Yeah. And why those things are important, the soft skills of leadership are so much more important. I feel like that self-awareness is because the whole person shows up to lead. Right. Mm. And so if the foundation of your humanity is broken when you come into the office or when you show up to your organization to lead, it's going to leak out, right? Mm-hmm. There's just no way to not have um, the undercurrent of your soul, yeah. right? That's going to impact yeah. the leadership that you have in the organization, which will translate to poor results at some point. So I think just understanding, Hey, I'm a fast leader yeah. and I know that's got a lot of upside, but if I'm not aware, yeah. that's going to also really be a challenge and some other spaces it's going to cost me. I'm not going to yeah. be as effective as I could be. Right. Yeah. Well, what you're making me think is like at the end of the day, connection
0: is so important. Yeah. Like connection with ourself. Yep. You know, connection with a higher power, connection with our, our why, our values, connection yeah. with other people. Like, I feel like for a lot of leaders, connection needs to be the goal, right? We feel like we got to hide behind whatever, you know, leadership, whatever we were taught,
1: right? Yeah, success. Look at this. I'm right, so because
0: great. as you were talking just now, uh, you talk about walking in the in the the journey being greater, the destination, or however you said it. Um, when I think back about, uh, like in my, my past as a leader, the most meaningful times weren't really even about the wins or losses. It was about the connection with the people and us doing something difficult together. Yeah. And at the end of the day, whether we won or lost, we were together in it. Right? Like, so when we led together, we, we took some major L's Mm -hmm. and we also had some major wins. Yeah. I don't even remember what they were. Sure. You know what I'm saying? But I remember Matt and I were in it together and we landed on the other end and became closer through it right over. And I think, you know, that is a, that's a big part of why we're doing this. Yeah. Like, I feel like if, if a leader is, is listening and is like, man, I'm lacking in connection, Mm. like, because it's, it's cliche, but there's so many leaders that get to where they, they want to be in their destination and they're so unhappy. Well, they look around and there's no one with them to to share that, to reflect it back, to celebrate it. But man, we did this together. Right. And so hopefully if you're listening and you're feeling that as you, that's, that's the conversation we love to have with you because that's, right. that's a big part of why we're doing this, right? Is we don't want leaders leading lonely. And for us, it's like, we don't, we care about your destination. We want you winning. We want you hitting your goals. But if you get there and you're disconnected, that's not a win for us. That's right. But if you get there and, and you have a couple guys like myself and Matt yeah. to be able to high five, but man, look, this is great you know, this is look at what we're doing together. Look who's how many lives we're impacting or how we're helping the world by right. doing this, man. That's what we're all about. So Matt, this was great stuff. Give us just kind of the, your, your recap, your big yeah. idea
1: around this episode. I think like we talked about, um, in leadership, especially in entrepreneurship, um, the odds are just against you. And if you don't do something different to change those odds, you could be a victim of statistics. Right. And so yeah. I think, um, Where I'd kind of wrap it is almost anybody with enough effort can achieve excellence, right? Mm -hmm. But sustained excellence is the goal and to do it sustained over a period of time, you need someone in your corner with you doing it, right? And so figure out a way to have sustained excellence and it's not just bootstrapping, look around, figure out, am I connected on that soul level personally, my family relationships and then work relationships moving on from there.